following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So when I was about 19 years old, I drove up to a stoplight. Now, you got to understand, I was a pizza delivery driver in those days. And, and I, um, I bo- drove up to a stoplight in this sort of, well, let's just say, he was known for being a bit of a bully, pulls up behind me, and he gets out of his car, and he walks up to the side of my car. We're sitting at a stoplight, and my window is down because it's a beautiful day, much like today will be. And he just goes, just punches me right across the jaw. It's so much, I had this like cool Domino's hat that I was styling with, and it just flew off, you know. And of course, what did I do? I pulled the emergency brake, and I got out of my car, and I started marching toward him. And I'm like, that's it, pal. You think you can do that to me? And, you know, and then of course, I kind of looked up, and then I was like, okay, well, maybe he can, but I'm still going to go this, you know. And, you know, he got me a couple more times, and then I ducked a time, and it just, it was like slow motion happened. And like something came into my body and said, do you really want to be doing this? I think part of that's called fear, you know, fight or flight, right? The fight part was going, maybe we should switch to flight. You know, maybe that's possible. (laughs) But the other part I'm convinced is what we were reading about today. And And I know that because if you left it up to me, I'm the kind of guy that I don't care how many times you hit me, I'm going to hit back, right? I mean, that's, that's the default mark position. And I'm thinking about how many teeth I can knock out. But something else happened, right? Something else got in and grabbed a hold of me. And yeah, maybe it was a little bit of flight, but I didn't run. I just turned around and I got in my car and I drove away. And even as I was like shifting gears on my car, I'm like, what the, I have, well, I'm, not that, I'm not the chicken. I'm not the guy that runs. What am I doing? Why did this happen, right? Who? And then, of course, when I said who, I was like, Lord, is this, is this what, you, what? You know, and I was like, what is going on? And this is what we're going to be talking about today, guys, because I'm, go- I'm going to try to make the case. And, I, and again, I know it's crazy because we're talking about blood of goats, and I get it. It's very weird to our ears in the 21st century. But what we're trying to do is make the case of what the Scripture is saying. And that is, you and I are the tabernacle of the living God. That's what this scripture is saying. And it is saying that there was one sacrifice, not over and over again, but one sacrifice for you and for me. That's what this scripture is saying. And that if that's true, then there ought to be some things that happen, right? There ought to be some things that happen, and they happen to us. Not necessarily, because don't hear me wrong. It wasn't, oh, Mark really made a good choice. The whole time I was like, no, no, no. I was going against my will, trust me. What happened, and now later on, me and old Ronnie, we reconciled, and, and he is someone that I pray for and, re, and have forgiven many times, and I pray that he does the same for me. But at the same time, one of the things that you go through in life is you encounter conflict. This was an, an obvious example of that. Most of them aren't a right cross across your jaw, right? Most of them are a little word that just gets like little jabs, right? Or a comment or a or something that somebody says when you're really needing to hear affirmation and you hear the opposite. Or maybe it's something you're hoping for and it doesn't come out, doesn't work out. 
or something you're looking forward to and it just sort of crumbles, right? And this is the challenge that we face. This is the thing that we're involved with. And what we always do, and this is where it hits, this is where all of a sudden the blood of, the blood of goats and, and calves starts to hit our, hit our real lives. And then as we start to get God involved in that, when failure happens, when we struggle, then it's either his fault or he didn't show up the way, he, way we thought he should, right? And so it's either, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I have a good friend, another good friend, and he told me once that he didn't believe in God. And I would ask him why, and the answer was, if I were to shorten our many, many months and years of conversations, I don't, I don't believe in God. In fact, I know there is no God because I hate him. I hope you tracked with that. There is no God because I hate him, Right? And I get that, right? That's what we do. When we struggle in our lives, when we experience the reality of this broken world, that's where we feel. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9. And I think it's because of the fact that if we do, if we handle God on our terms, there's no power there. It's powerless. The gifts and sacrifices being offered in the old covenant were not able to, what are those green words? Clear the conscience of the worshiper. So if church, if God, if all of that stuff is a matter of I go here and I do my bit for king and country and then I'm set free to go do whatever, then sure, then that's, that I would agree, that's pointless. And I would be the first one to say I don't believe in any of that. Right? But if actually we could come to a place that wasn't powerless, if we could come to a place that we're the living God was and dwells and then meets us and then starts to impact you and me and do something to you and me and to the world, well, then that's entirely different. That's entirely a whole nother story. And I'm going to put up Hebrews 9, verse 14, the first half. And notice we got powerful, and I even put an extra L on there on purpose because it's full, man. That's what we're making the, they're making the claim of. And you've got to watch out for this because it says MLV. That's Mark's literal version. And whenever Mark goes to translate Hebrews, you've got to watch out. Check my work. So all the scholars out there, go and look it up. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without defect to God? Now each one of those, colored, you know, each one of those underlined colored words are all re, re, they're, re, they're pointing us somewhere. And this idea how much more is pointing us that the law, that that is the stuff that you, would do for, that you and I would do for God, those are powerless. Okay? Now, he'll use them for other people. But between us and God, if I try to be a good person for God, I'll never make it. But if, how much more if God tries to do something for you and me? See, now look at this. He says, how much more with the blood of Christ? Remember all those stories you read in the Old Testament, they're so weird. They were pointing to Jesus all along. And how much more will that, who through the eternal spirit, this living energy of God, you know, it's so interesting, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word for spirit is the same word for wind. And when, you, when the wind blows, you can see what it, what it impacts, what it affects, but you can't see the wind. And you're like, well, maybe God was saying spirit and wind are the same thing. I don't know. I'm pretty open to that. We don't know. All we know this is that the blood of Christ comes through the eternal spirit and he, and he offered himself without defect, just like the story goes in the Old Testament, without defect to God. He offered himself. Now, why did he do it? 
There's a one-word answer, and it begins with L, love. That's why he did it. So God looks at us who might say to him, there is no God and I hate him. I hear you. That's what he's probably saying. That's my translation. But I hear you, but I love you anyway. For God so loves Missouri that he gave his only son. No, no, no. <laughs> For God so loves the world that he gave his only son. The whole universe. That's what this was done. And the whole without defect, it's like the whole story had said all along, you, you, don't, you don't give the leftovers to God. You give the most perfect thing you've got to God. And so when God is going to do that, then he's going to give himself, his son. Take a look at the second half of that verse. And look what he does. He purifies our conscience from dead works to service, excuse me, for service to the living God. So, I mean, this is the crazy part of that old story that gets lost in all the blood and guts that we read about. And we're like, what is that? We don't even understand. So our eyes glaze over, we go read the New Testament. And I get that. But there's a very important thing that gets lost because the plan was that the sacrifice would take away the sins of the people. Okay? Some of those sacrifices were the people doing them, and some of the sacrifices were for the whole community. But then there were all these little regulations and little ceremonies you would do to purify the people. So you had two things. You had atonement, which takes the sins away, and then you had purification. And purification, guys, is probably the thing that we're most interested in on a daily basis. Because us as Christians, if you've grown up in the church, yeah, I know Jesus. He saved me a long time ago. We're good to go. Punch my ticket. Let's go watch football. Right? That's what it is. And that's kind of that's, that's, that's churchianity. That's what we've been talking about. But the other side of that is purification. Because what happens on Monday when you go to the office, right, or the school or wherever you're going on Monday? What happens then? That's when purification kicks in. Because the Lord is not just trying to punch your ticket. He is trying to give you the opportunity to live in a world where relationships can be restored. That's what purification is all about. It's this idea that not just you would be forgiven, but that you would have the opportunity to share with those around you and that through God's work, it would restore the relationship. Now, you, I, it sounds all kind of academic when I say it that way, so I'm going to just say it another way. Or when someone walks up to the side of the car and clocks you. And you think the appropriate response is to retaliate in turn. Eye for an eye. Bible says it. Tooth for a tooth, right? That's what I'm thinking. Tooth for a tooth. But there was something going on that was bigger than me or him. And I didn't even know what it was. I didn't have the conscious ability to go, you know, a, a Christian wouldn't do that. That wasn't even, in, it wasn't even on my radar. And I'd been brought up in the church, baptized, one month old, the whole nine yards. That wasn't even on my radar. Something happened to me, guys. And I bet if we were to sit around and tell stories, I bet I'm not the only one who could tell a story like this. Maybe mine's more dramatic. I don't know. Maybe yours is more dramatic. The point is, you and I, those of us who follow Jesus, you, there are these times when he comes in and he does stuff. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about him doing stuff, real stuff, not fantasy stuff, not the stuff that you know is religious, for lack of a better word. Right? Talking about when you're at the office and someone does stab you in the back, this time with a virtual knife, or a, well, you know, the knife is made out of words, and then you have this desire to say, well, <laughs> I have some language for that, and it doesn't come out. Somehow or another, you bite that tongue and you move on. 
That, guys, is the Holy Spirit of God working in your life and in mine. That's what we're talking about with purifying our consciences. Because if you know that you're forgiven, if you know that you are okay in your standing with God, you know where you stand with God, then you have a shot at loving your neighbor. But if you try to objectify your neighbor and say you're going to love him so that God will love you, then that's a big mess. And that's when you get things like the church lady from the olden days, right? And Saturday Night Live. All that stuff is just nonsense because it's based upon trying to play a game. And anybody who spends more than 10 minutes thinking about it knows it's a game. This is real. And look at this, because those things are dead works. I mean, that's just, that's a literal, right off, the, right off the page, dead works. If you think you can go down to Branson Landing and help the little old ladies across the street, whether they need it or not, and that that's going to make God happy, you're missing the point. What would happen if he purified your conscience and mine and set us free to live in a place where even the relationships in our lives begin to be restored, begin to be put back the way they always ought to have been? Take a look at Hebrews 9, verse 15. This is why there is the new covenant. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who were called, who are called, may receive the promised eternal inheritance. What is inheritance based on? If you, were, if you get a letter in the mail and they said, good news, your Uncle Charlie, who you didn't even know was your uncle, he won the lottery three years ago and now somehow he's, he's died. So guess what? You get the, you get the money. And what are they going to do when you get into the office? They're going to want to verify your identity. That's what inheritance is, to, is related to. Who are you? Are you actually related to Uncle Charlie? I mean, I don't know. And that's what this is all about. And so the new covenant is all geared to make sure that you and I receive the inheritance of Jesus himself. And his inheritance, guys, he is the son of whom? God. And that's the inheritance that's being poured out upon you and to me. That's why Jesus is the mediator. He's the high priest. He's the one who says to you and to me, I am here for you. Take a look at the second half of that verse. Now he has died as a ransom to set them, that is you and me, free from the sins committed under the first covenant. What is freedom? Is freedom that you just get to do whatever you want? I mean, because that's what most of, us, most of us work with. And the short answer is, yeah, you are free to do whatever you want. But one of the choices in freedom is to go right back to prison. That's one of the available options. And the challenge is for us, a lot of times that's what we do. Because we go through life, something bad happens. Okay? What is God mad at me about? That's where we go with it. Something bad happens, God must be ticked. I didn't handle that thing last week right. I didn't do his will the way I should have. So he's mad at me. Now he is bringing bad things here. That is not the message of the Bible. Even Hebrews deals with that in chapter 12, as we'll see later. But the point that you need to know is that he has died as a ransom to set them free. The price has been paid. There's no more punishment. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 18, if I could spit it out, says that fear has to do with punishment, right? And that it's talking about how if you fear God in that sense, that's because you think he's going to punish you. And guys, the punishment has been taken. That's what this promise is for you and for me. The punishment is taken. So if you're sitting there going, yeah, but well, then why did it happen? Then you say, well, let's, Lord, let's, it's, it's like the words of my friend Jan who would always say, let's see what the Lord will do. Let's watch and see what the Lord will do. Because there are all kinds of things that happen to you and to me that are bad. And we would all be in agreement with that. But 
Why did they happen? Did they happen because God's mad at you? No. The Bible says no. There may be some story, some plan, something he's doing. We don't know what that is yet. It's not really ours to know. Ours is but to trust in him to hear the good news again that this did not happen for punishment. Did not happen for punishment. Jesus paid the punishment. What was he? A ransom. Paid. You are set free. Please hear that. You are set free. Can you say that with me? You are set free. Thank you. Thank you. That way I know everyone heard it, right? That's really good. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Now, when is it? Now, he has appeared how many times? <laughs> Once for all. At the end of the ages, which that's now, right? The end of the ages. This is when it happened. Why did he do it? To do away with sin. Now, it, you know, that language there is like, oh, good, because I'm tired of sin, right? I'm, I don't want to have that in my life. You know, the good that I want to do, that I don't do. The bad that I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Who's going to rescue me from that? Romans chapter 7, right? And then, of course, Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is exactly what this is saying. So what's going on with this do, to do away with sin? To do away with that thing which held you and I captive, Right? So yes, you and I still fail. We're not fully redeemed in the sense, well, that's not the right word. We're fully redeemed. We're not fully restored yet. So yeah, you catch me. If, I'm, if, you, if, if any of you were ever to drive next to me in, in the traffic and then you see somebody cut me off, you would see evidence that Mark is not fully restored yet, right? This is what happens, right? And so you, you react sometimes and you say things, you do things you don't, you're like, ah, that's not the right way to handle it. But guys... As soon as you, it hits our ears, you are fully restored. Excuse me, you, he died once and for all. He died once and for all for you to do away with sin. Sin no longer has a claim upon you or me. No more. No more. You might say, well, Mark, you don't know my story. And I say, fair enough. But I know his. And this story is the kind of story that just splashes all over the place and all of a sudden you're in it. You're in his story. The story where he came to save you and to save me. He does away with sin so that sin has no claim over you so that here's how this works. Okay, so let's say that it's sometime this week and you're going through your week and you start to feel that like, ooh, I'm a bad person. I just did something terrible, right? You get that feeling, right? I want you to hear these words that he has done away with sin once and for all. So when the devil or whatever, the darkness within your own heart or whatever it is sort of sits on your shoulder as it were and says... Look at you. Look here what we got here. God's going to be ticked. Right? And you can say, hey, devil, that may actually be true except for one thing. Last I checked, Jesus died once for all. Once for all. One sacrifice. Once and for all. He's done away with sin, and he sacrificed himself. I think we're good. You know? It may be true that I am a sinful person, and I am failed, and I'm broken. It may be true that I should do this, and I wish I would do that, but the reality is Jesus died for me. I want you to say that whenever you hear those voices. Jesus died for me. Somebody said, you know, well, the only people who hear voices are the people who need you know, like psychological help. Actually, that's just, a, that's just a lie because we all hear voices all the time. You watch things, you hear things, people tell you, they give you advice. You always have voices. I want you to hear this voice. I want you to hear this voice. Let this voice define who you are so that you would indeed receive the promise and be set free. Take a look at Hebrews 9.28, and you've got to watch out because it says MLV again. That's twice in one sermon. It's scary. Christ was sacrificed how many times? 
wants, this is very important, to take away the sins of the many. He will appear a second time. So see, a lot of times people will say, Jesus is coming back. You better get ready, right? You know, that's, or you're going to be left behind or whatever they say. You know, whatever. My, my impersonations are not good. He will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to say to you and to me, here we are together now forever for those who eagerly wait for his salvation. Please write these words on your heart. Know that this is a one-time deal. He is done. It's over. What did Jesus say on the cross right before he died? It is finished. It's a good place to end the sermon too. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. And right now, we need you to write these words in our hearts. Let us always remember it was one sacrifice. It was the one sacrifice that all the ones in the past were looking forward to. And it's the one sacrifice that all of us who live in the present are looking back to. There don't need to be any more religious practices per se. There just needs to be people who trust Jesus. And you set us free, Lord, to follow you and to join you in your mission. That is a wonderful gift. But we, this is not to earn anything. This is because we're free. You have promised this in your word. Let us write that word in our hearts this week and in the weeks to come as we pray in the mighty name of Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.